Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. All right. Everybody doing good today? Yeah, I think I'm good here. Good, 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 good. Listen, I want to read something to you before we get started. Um, and uh, it's, uh, it's from one of our, our ladies in the church. Uh, it says, I am a most blessed woman. My precious husband has been so wonderful through my knee replacement surgery. After the dinner stopped coming, he, had, he has been our, our chef, plus the house cleaner, the yard mower, the weed eater, and he's even painted the house. Helped move our son and family, and then he's also went to work. He's made sure I exercise three times a day and walk seven times a day. Eye straps after each one. Work with my therapist in making sure I do all the exercises correctly. Cheering me on, wash all the clothes, fix my car, and make sure I took all the right meds daily. A definite journey, but the love of a husband who cares for me deeply. It has definitely made it easier. I hope all the women have a husband as precious as mine. And just think, he gets to do it all over again on July 13th when she has the other knee surgery. I love this man with my whole heart. He's my rock. Thank you so much, Roy Davis, for making all of us other guys look like mess. That was Roy right there, y'all. I appreciate that, man. No big deal. I mean, I was fine right up until she said you painted the doggone house. And I was like, all right, now you're trying to, now you're just bragging, man. Now you just kind of overdo it, all right? So I take out the trash and want a medal. And uh, here you are painting the house. So, yeah, y'all keep praying for Roy's brother, Don. This is the summer of knee replacements here at the church. I don't know if you guys know it or not, but we have, uh, we have four people getting knee replacements at the church and if you are, just get on the prayer list with us. If, you're, if you just need a new knee, let us know. We'll throw you on a prayer list. Um, and, and Jeannie is actually getting two. So we have five total new knees. And so we should have some bionic people just walking through here, literally. We are not going to get metal detectors. And so, yeah, it's good stuff. <clears throat> Listen, I'm so glad you're here today. I'm so glad you chose to, to uh, start your summer off the right way. And that's coming and connecting with who God is in your life if you're watching from home, I want to thank you so much for being here and watching with us from home. I want to encourage you during this time, though, to um, this is a this is a really great series that we're going to be going through. And so what I would encourage you to do summertime oftentimes is a is a time where we we kind of um, evaluate things. We go on vacation and we think. And things kind of slow down. Maybe if you have kids, they stop going to going, going to school, and you kind of can can do some thinking, uh, maybe readjusting. Uh, really, uh, at the first of the year and summertime is the time where we do a lot of this, uh, looking at your life. Maybe you know it's hot. You go outside. You get out in the sun. You go to the pool, and on and on and on. But a lot of times, what you can do is you start reading some books, and maybe I don't know, maybe some self help books or whatever. But, but you go through maybe some, some, uh, some biblical books that you, you take on. Maybe you want to start something new before the new quote-unquote school year starts. But a lot of times what we do is, is we evaluate some things in our life. And that's exactly the reason why I chose to do this series during the summer. Because what we're going to be looking at is, is we're going to be looking at over the next seven weeks, we're going to be looking at the things that we continue to allow to hang around our house Okay, the things that we continue to put, like when we go on vacation, just like the picture 
just the picture shows all that baggage that's on top of that little car. Uh, it weights it down. It really does. It weights it down and it makes it not, not function as well. It makes you not function as well too. When you allow things in your life that have stayed there year after year after year after year after year. And what I like doing is, is I like coming back. Now most of the time what I do love doing is going through a book of the scriptures. But sometimes I, I think it's important for us for me to come back and to, to remind you that God is a God of freedom. I want you to hear that. That God is a God of freedom. And He wants you to walk in freedom. Uh, John 10.10 10, uh, says that the enemy comes to, to, kill, uh, to, to steal, kill, and destroy. But, the, but Jesus comes to give us life and life more abundantly. So He comes to give us a free life. And so living an abundant life means that, that you are free from some of that things that weight you down. And so this Summer, what we're going to do is, is we're going to go through some of those things that maybe weight us down. And I'm going to try to give you practical applications to where you can rid yourself of some of those things. And you can live a life that God has called you to live. You see, a lot of times we don't do that because we don't realize how free it is, how freeing it is when you actually live a life that God intended you. I would, I would say that a lot of followers of Jesus, <clears throat> a lot of followers of Jesus have never experienced a life that John 10, 10 says, because they continue to hold the baggage that they have on in their life. That's why. And so what I want to do is, is I encourage you to, if you have a, if you have a notebook, get a notebook and take notes. If you have, if you have a, a, a phone um, where you have a notepads, write these things down. I've told you this all the time, 93% of what I'm going to say today, you'll forget by Tuesday. Okay, and that's just the facts. Uh, if you don't write it down, you're going to forget it by Tuesday. So I encourage you to do that. So where's the starting point on this then? Well, there's a starting point. And so today is going to be the starting point for the rest of the series. And so we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew <clears throat> chapter 6. Verse 33. Here's what it says. And you guys have all heard this before. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And here's what it says. And he will give you everything you need. He will give you everything you need. Let's leave that up there. Seek the kingdom of God, God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything that you need need. Now I want to leave that scripture up there because I want to explain to you I don't think it's fair whenever you take a scripture and just pluck it out without the context and so I want to give you some context this morning. Well when was this spoken? When did Jesus say seek the kingdom of God above all else? When did he say this? Well let me tell you when he said it. He said it when he was doing his sermon on the mount. Okay his sermon on the mount. So what is the sermon on the mount? Well here's what the sermon on the mount is. The Sermon on the Mount was Jesus' proclamation of how His kingdom would be. I want you to hear that. It's, it's how His kingdom would be. What do I mean by that? Let me explain. Now, are we having an issue here? Is it? All right. Back, back, in, uh, back in their time, what they would do, much like it is today with our president and other people's leaders in the world, when they would take over, when they would become king, 
they would give these proclamations. And whatever they proclaimed, that's how, that's how their kingdom would be. And so when you read the Sermon on the Mount, 5 through 7 of Matthew, when you read that, <clears throat> what you find is, is Jesus is saying things about money and, and, and about anger and about, and he goes through all these different issues. And what he's doing is he's proclaiming the kingdom of God will be like this. This is how it's going to be. And anything that a king spoke became law. I don't know if you guys know anything that he spoke. He proclaimed this is how the kingdom will be. And so what he's saying is this. This is how the kingdom of God will be. When you seek first God above all else and live righteously, he will give you everything that you need. Jesus' kingdom has an expectation that you and I will seek God first above all else. And when we do that, he will give us everything we need. Another version of this text says this. It says, seek, you know, seek God first and all these things will be added unto you. What are the all these things? Here's the all these things. Everything you need to live a life that is filled with freedom and abundance. That's what it means. It's exactly what it means. And so that's the starting point today. Now, I don't want you to miss something here, though. Look at the context of the text of where we're reading from. Look at where we're reading from. What is he talking about around the text? Well, let me let, me let you know. Verse 31 says, So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the mind of an unbeliever. He's talking about worrying about things. He's talking about not worrying about finances. He's talking about not worrying about where you're going to get your next meal. He's talking about not worrying about your house payment. All right? He's talking about not worrying about what your kids are going to eat. The clothing, on and on. He's talking about all the necessities of life. All the things that make our life complete. He's saying all of these things, don't worry about all those things because when you seek God first and live righteously, he will add all these things to you. So how do you go through and get rid of some baggage that you have? How do you start taking those suitcases off that car? Well, today's message is about this word, priority. What are your priorities in your life? See, listen, you can't start the process of ridding yourself from some issue that you've dealt with for years and years and years, you can't start that process until you have your priorities aligned. You can't start that process until your, and this is the first point, your priorities mirror what God's priorities are. You can't start that process until you understand that your priorities have to mirror God's priorities. What, what do I mean by that? Well, literally, literally, your priorities have to become what God's priorities for you are. You have to understand the priorities that God has for you. And then you're to mirror those priorities. See, a lot of times what we do is, is we do it backwards. 
We do two things. Either we say, God, I want to get this thing fixed so I can draw closer to you. Okay? Let me give you an example. I've shared this a million times here before, but I'll share it again with you today. Um, I suffer from depression and anxiety at times in my life. I do. Uh, I think it's probably hereditary. I don't know if it is or not. I know I can't explain it. I have no, I have no idea when it comes, when it goes, why it comes, when it goes. I have no idea. But I can tell you this. For a long, long time, what I did is I tried to do things on my own. And I tried to say, I think what I can do is this and this and this and this and this. And what I did do is I left God out of the equation. And isn't that crazy? He's our creator and I, he created me. He's the one that knows me in and out and I left him out of the equation. And so what I did is I tried all these things and all of them failed. All of them fell short. And it wasn't until I stopped and I said, God, I have no idea why this issue is here in my life. I have no idea why this thorn in my side is here in my life. I'm really trying to serve you. I'm trying to do all these things. I'm trying to work for you. I'm trying to do the best I can do to be a righteous, righteous man for my family, for those that are around me, for our church. And it wasn't until I invited God into the equation it wasn't until I invited God in the equation. It wasn't until I found out what God's priorities were. It wasn't until I began to realize how God had created me when things started to ease back. Now, here's the thing I want you to know. It's still there at times. It's still there at times. But now I have been equipped with what God's priorities are for me. And I realize, okay, this too shall pass. God will use this not only for his glory, but he'll use it to help other people. And on and on and on and on and on. But first, I had to seek God. First, I had to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all of those things, the anxiety, the worry, all of those things began to dissipate. They did. And what I've realized now is, is the time between, I don't know if you want to call them episodes or whatever, but the time between has gotten longer and longer and longer and longer. Why is that? I think it's because I've given God, I've given it over to God, and I've said, God, whatever your priorities are for my life, that's what I want. And I didn't just say it, I actually meant it. I said it a bunch, I meant it the final time. Are you with me? Are you with me? Listen, I went fishing this week. And I don't want to brag, but I beat Stephen Harrell. He's back there. I, I, I was embarrassed because he took me to his fishing hole and I beat him. Anyway, I really didn't beat him. He beat me like a drum on, Monday, on Wednesday. He, he, I think it was Wednesday. I got my days mixed up. Yeah, Wednesday he, he did well. He had me doing some kind of weird jacked up fishing. And I was like, dude, let me show you how it's done. So Thursday, I mean, I just beat him like a drum. And then Friday we tied because he wanted, he left, we left early Friday because we had four fish apiece. And he was like, hey, man, you ready to go? And I was like, no, dude, I'm going to catch one more fish because I'm going to beat you 5-4. No, let's just call it a day. And I said, all right, man, whatever. Anyway, um, but we went fishing. And we went fishing to this place called Mirror Lake. If you've never been to Mountain View, Arkansas, people are country there, okay? Uh, it's like Mayberry except a little further out the dirt road. Are you with me? That's kind of what it is. And we went, if you're from Mountain View or know anybody, sorry, I'm not being offensive. I love the town. I really did. Uh, but we went to Mountain View and we went to this place called Mirror Lake. And it was an amazing thing. Mirror Lake, 
I, we were sitting on the bank fishing, and I was watching because it, it, was, it was somewhat overcast, but every once in a while the sun would come out. And when the sun would come out, the lake was very, very, it was, it was like a greenish blue color, very beautiful. It had a waterfall at this end. It was gorgeous. We were sitting there, and the, the lake would reflect a perfect reflection of all the scenery around it. So you have this mountains type area around it and the lake is reflecting, a, it literally looked like that the mountains were in the water. It was a perfect reflection of what was on, uh, was, was on the land. And even all the way up to the clouds, you could see them. It was so beautiful, but it was a perfect reflection. It was a perfect mirror of what was on the land into the water. And sometimes as I was sitting there fishing, I would kind of get distracted because I would, I would, I felt sorry for Stephen not catching anything. And then I, so I was, you know, got distracted and, and I would watch and, and I would start looking at the, the water and just looking at all the birds. And I would realize, wait a minute, those birds are in those trees. <laughs> those birds are in the air. It was so beautiful, but it was a perfect reflection of what reality was and what God had created. And I wanted you to know something. Your priorities are supposed to be just like that lake. Your priorities are supposed to be a perfect mirror for what God says is important, for what God's priorities are. What does that mean? It means that if God deems something important, that you should deem it important. And I want you to know something. Until until you have that attitude, you can work and work and work and work to rid yourself of some of this baggage and it's never going to work because you have to go to the source that who created you you have to go to the source and figure out what their priorities are what God's priorities are and when you figure that out then you can align your priorities with God's priorities and you can start seeing yourself living that John 10:10 life why in the world would God want us to align our priorities with his? And let's just be real here. Can we not go to a therapist? Can we, can't we just go to a counselor? Can't we just take an anger management course? You know, can't we just go to a counselor and talk about our grief and shame? And can't we just do those things? Well, maybe. I mean, I encourage you to do that. I've done that myself. I encourage you to do that. I, I've said this all the time. I think every person sitting in this church needs to go to a counselor at some point. And I mean it 100%. Why would we need to align our priorities? Let me tell you why. Because God knows our story. God knows our story. There's a story in the scripture where Jesus, instead of going around Samaria... He shocked his disciples because the Sumerians, they, they, they were adversaries. And so he shocked his disciples and he went through Samaria. And he did it on purpose because he had a mission. He went through Samaria and he sat by this well. And it was in the hot part of the day. And don't miss that. The disciples had gone off. Jesus was there. The woman at the well came. And here's what's crazy about that. Women usually went and got water in the morning. They went in groups and they would go up to the well and get water early in the morning because it was hot. But this woman came around noontime 
because she was an outcast. And Jesus sat there and began, began a dialogue with her and began to talk to her. And Jesus began to tell her her own story. Are you with me? He began to tell her her own story. As a matter of fact, after they had went through and after they had had a situation where she, he shocked her with the information that he knew, you know what she did? She went back to the town and said this, come meet a man who told me everything I ever did, who told me all about myself. That's what she said. God knows our story. Jesus was walking along in Jericho and he looked up and there was a wee little man. A wee little man was Zacchaeus. And Jesus looked past the fact that he was a cheat and a liar. And he went over to dinner with him. Why? Well, because Jesus knew his story. There was an outspoken fisherman who would usually shoot first and aim later. I imagine that he would be the first one to punch you in the mouth. And that was Peter. And Jesus was patient with him and walked him through to the point where the church itself was established on the rock. That was Peter. Why? Because he knew Peter's story. There was a rich young ruler that came to Jesus and said this, said, hey man, what, what do I need to do to be saved? And he said, well, uh, he said, here's what I've done. I've done, I kept all the commandments, you know, didn't smoke, drink, or chew, or associate with those that do. I mean, he, all he had the list, man, and he checked all the boxes. And he said, what do I got to do to be saved? He said, oh, oh there's one more thing. Uh, sell all your possessions and follow me. And it said at that moment he dropped his head and he walked away because he was a man of great wealth. Why did Jesus say that to him? Because he knew the man's story. And here's the thing I want you to understand. He knows your story better than you know it. He does. He knows your story better than you know it. So we go on this fishing trip, right? <clears throat> and um, we go last week on this fishing trip, and we're sitting on the bank fishing. And um, I trust God, but I don't trust a lot of people. Are you with me? <laughs> I'm a God truster, not necessarily a people truster. And so what I figured Stephen over these last, uh, over these last time, uh, three or four or five days is, is Stephen would talk to a stump. Okay, he would. He talks to everybody. Everybody. When we got out and pumped gas, he talked to the person beside him. When we went into the pilot, he talked to the lady in there. Uh, luckily, we went to the bathroom. He didn't break bro code and talk in the bathroom. By the way, guys, don't ever talk in the bathroom. That's totally awkward. Anyway, so it is. Ladies, you do you, but guys, don't talk to me in the bathroom, okay? It's silence. Get your business done. Get out. Don't do that. So he talks to everybody. 
And so we would be walking to where we're going to fish and I would already be sitting there and he would still be over there talking to some guy on the dock saying, hey, listen, and he was getting all this stuff. All right. So he knew everybody's story uh, almost as good as God did by the time Friday came. All right. He knew everybody's story. We had, there's people from Mississippi, Biloxi. I'm trying to remember one guy who had a fishing shop somewhere. I mean, I'm just letting you know. And so, uh, so we are sitting in our fishing place and all of a sudden, these two young boys came up. They looked to be about 18 or 19 or 20 years old. And they had, God is my witness, they had worn jeans, a ragged shirt, and no shoes. They were walking barefooted. Okay? And they came up and said, you know, of course I was like, hey. And I was kind of looking, because they were behind us. And... Um, I was, um, I was kind of looking at them a little, little cross-eyed a little bit, looking at, outside of my eye. And Stephen said, well, where are y'all from? And I could have told him where they were from before he ever said it. He said, we're from Louisiana. I said, of course you're from Louisiana. My wife's got family from Louisiana. You're from Louisiana. He started talking about where he's from Louisiana. And he started talking about, um, you know, just fishing and how are y'all catching them and and so, uh, at one point, <clears throat> um, the kid wanted to bait his hook with our stuff, which is fine because Stephen had offered it to him. Uh, and, I mean, I was nice, too. I don't think I was sitting there grumpy gills. But, <clears throat> anyway, I was kind of trying to fish. And so, uh, he got the hook and bait and everything, and he got everything set up. And um, so, when he leaned over, I noticed he had a knife on his side here, like a, one of those, like just a, a knife on his side. Um, and so being the godly, biblical, compassionate pastor I am, I had a pair of scissors in my uh, tackle box. And I took those scissors and I stuck them in the drink holder right here beside me. Because this dude was behind me. And I'm like, you may get a stab or two, but I'm going straight for your neck. All right, I'm just letting you know, Mr. Mr. Louisiana guy. I'm being dead honest, you guys. Hey, I'm out in the middle of Arkansas in the middle of the country. I, I'm, I'm out there. And so that's the truth. It's the true story. I, took a, I got a blue pair of scissors. I put them right there in that cup holder. And I was like, all right, man. I mean, I love Jesus and all, but I don't think my time to go is right now. And I'm sure not getting killed from some 19-year-old from Arkansas. I mean, from Louisiana. So in Arkansas. Wouldn't that be awful to die in Arkansas? Good Lord. Anyway. <laughs> It'd be really bad. I'd never make it back. But anyway, so we're talking. We're having this conversation. We're having this conversation. This story has a meaning, I promise. I'll figure it out in a minute, but it does. So we're having this conversation. And I hate when people, my friends do this. So this other buddy comes up, and he sits down behind him, too. And I think he's got a knife, too. And I'm like thinking, okay, well, I can open up the scissors and just do jab, jab, and it's over. This is how my mind works, and it's true. This is how my mind works. So we're sitting there, and every person we met the, last week, Stephen told him I was a preacher, every one of them, every one of them. We're pumping the guys, hey, this is my friend, he's a preacher. Hey, this is, I don't care who your friend is, he's a, pre- he's a preacher. So we're sitting there, and he's like, what do y'all do? Stephen said, well, you know, I'm the head of schools here at a Christian school, and he's the pastor. And so... Just code word, when you say he's the pastor, one of two things happens. And both of these happen this week. If you tell someone you're a pastor, here's what happens. 
Either the first thing is, is that someone has one scripture that they know by heart and they say, hey, and they, they, they will say, you know, this guy said, 1 Corinthians 15, blah, blah, blah. And then he, they look at you. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, no, bro, I don't have the whole Bible memorized, man. I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, oh, you don't. Then look down at you because you don't have the Bible memorized as a pastor. Like I sit in there and memorize the whole scripture. Now, I'd love to do that. But that's the first thing they do. And then the second thing people do, they do one of two things. Is they say, oh, you're a preacher. So let me start telling you about my life. And that's what they do. And that's fine. I don't mind people doing that. I do mind them doing it whenever they're barefooted with a rag shirt on and a knife on their side. Okay, that was a little bit of an issue for me there. So these two kids sit down and they start talking to us. And they talk to us. The, the young man talked to us about his, his dad who had given his life over to Christ. He was, he was sick, yet he had given his life over to Christ. And the, and the young man was like, I just don't know if that's fair or not. And so I got to share with him about the... Um, I, got, I literally was sharing with him about the, the, the thief, the two, two men on the cross, and how one of them was belligerent and the other one was a thief, yet he was saved on the cross. And I started talking to him about those things, and Stephen started talking to him. And, and we, ended up, we ended up talking to him about their life. So, and he said something before he he left, uh, we talked to him for a good 45 minutes. And he said something before we left. Uh, he said, one, another one of his buddies came up and he said, hey, we got to go. And the kid looked at us and said, hey guys, thanks so much for talking to us. You guys really have been a breath of fresh air for me today. And I was thinking, dude, an hour ago I was going to stab you in the neck. You guys have been a breath of fresh air for me today. You see, what Stephen had done is these kids were, they had no direction at all in their life. And we had talked to them about how God knew them, how God knew what they had been through, how God knew and had seen them when they were little, and how God, when you align your priorities with God, we literally said those words, that God knows you better than anybody, and God knows what you can and will do. And he knows, he understands those times when you've been embarrassed about something or those times when you, and he knows all those things and he will bring all those things together because this kid was trying to figure out what to do with his life. And we were able to share that God knows his story. And God knows your story too. He does. He knows your story. He knows your hurts and embarrassments. He knows your inner joy. He knows your pain. He sees your doubts. He sees your fears. He sees your failures. And on and on and on and on. He knows all those things. So who better than to trust? Who better than to seek first? Who better than to do that than God? I tell you, I don't think anyone would be better. I want to give you a warning, though, as we close. And here's the warning. There's a lot of things that are waiting to become your priority. 
there's a lot of things, you guys, that are waiting to become your priority. Can I tell you one thing that's waiting to become your priority? Money is waiting to become your priority. Money is. I've seen so many lives ruined because of money. The pursuit of money. I've seen families who have had parents who have died. And because of infighting over money, they've been broken apart. Money desperately wants to be your priority. Don't let it be your priority. Let God be your priority. Material things like your home, your cars, your clothes, those things are crying out to you to become your priority. Those things are crying out to you. If I didn't learn anything else in my life going through a tornado, I learned this. Everything can be taken in an instant, and none of it mattered to begin with. Period. Everything can be taken in an instant. Having gone through a tornado in 1999, I can, I can honestly tell you that insurance is your friend and that you don't have to worry about those things because God will provide just like he provided before. He'll provide again and again and again and again. Can we bring that scripture back up in Matthew? Can we look at that again? Can we bring that back up here? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Everything that you need. Your status in life is calling out to you to become a priority. Your job or your career is calling out to you to become your priority. Approval from other people is calling out to you to become your priority. Don't let it. Don't let it. Why don't you let it? Here's why. Because all these things that I just listed are not eternal. None of those are eternal. The most important thing that you have in your life is eternal. And that's the eternal God who loved you and I enough to send Christ to die for you and for me so that we could have a new hope, so that we could have forgiveness, so that we could have freedom. I want to leave you with Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4 says this. Proverbs chapter 4. I'm going to go to 20. Go to 23. Proverbs chapter 4 says this. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else. Because it determines the course of your life. There's another translation that says, protect your heart because out of it flow the issues of life. Guys, listen, before you can rid yourself of some of these things that weigh us down, before you can do that, you have to set your priorities straight. And I want to encourage you this week, 
this week, take time to set your priorities right. Take time to say, God, maybe in the past I haven't made you a priority, but starting right now, I want to make you a priority. And here's what will happen. You'll make God a priority, and then you'll look up three, four, five, six months from now, and you'll be blown away by how different your life is than how it was on June 6th, 2021. Make God a priority today and watch what he does in your life and watch what he does in the those around you. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much today that you have not left us alone. You have not left us, you have not left us without, uh, w- w- without a hope. But God, that you are, uh, you're just good. And we thank you and we love you, Lord. We do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.